0: and soul. So those of you who are joining us from home or wherever you are in jammies and slippers or out having brunch, whatever is happening, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And for those of you who heard our call and invitation back, back to services in person, welcome. I'm grateful for the entire way that we serve, and your willingness to be a part of this. Thank you so very, very much for your support and your presence, your consciousness. Thank you. So here we are on our adventure in faith with folks in the building and folks at home. Who knew? Two years ago, I'd have bet pretty much everything, we're not doing this. Because, you know, I was a little video... Conscious, let's say, but today is a new day and we are doing a new thing, just as we are called to do. So thank you for supporting that. Today, thank you, Ron. Thank you for the prayer and the devotional. Thank you for this. Um, As Ron said, today we are doing truly a new thing. Because Reverend, um, Reverend Dr. Will Coleman is with us, and he's with us from his home in Atlanta. And so he and I, I'm going to li- explain that a little more in detail as we get into it, exactly how it's going to work. I just want to remind you that Dr. Will Coleman is, first of all, he's my brother. And so applying the law of transitivity, he is our brother. He truly is. He's a theologian and a teacher of biblical spirituality. Born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, he completed his Bachelor's of Arts degree in religion at Rhodes College in Memphis. And he received his Master's of Divinity degree from Columbia Theological Seminary and his Doctor of Philosophy degree, with distinction, I might add, from the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley. And I claim it was that Berkeley air that really brought him to the heights that he experiences. Just, just that time spent in the Bay Area was enough to just rock his world in such a way that uh, he was able to receive even more wisdom and um, a deeper way of playing and sharing it with us. Dr. Will has many, many years of research, writing, and teaching experience in applying the principles of Hebrew and Christian Bible study and spirituality for the enrichment of spiritual and psychological health. He's also studied and practiced a wide range of spiritual topics and disciplines within the tradition of the Kabbalah. And Dr. Will teaches biblical and theological interpretation in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Mm and Afrocentric spirituality at the Interdenominational Theological Seminary in Atlanta, Johnny Coleman's Theological Seminary in Miami, and most recently at our Centers for Spiritual Living ministerial school. So we're grateful for Dr. Will through many years of research and meditation that he's cultivated his own method of teaching and demonstrating what it means to be in the image of the creative powers of life, as is said in Genesis 1 and 26. And especially grateful that he is sharing, that he continues to share this with us, not just today, but for, since our origin. That's right, in 2009, Dr. Will was in and out of Oakland, supporting us, and continues to do so. So in a bit after we hear our first uh, musical inspiration piece, Dr. Will and I will begin kind of chopping it up a little bit. So what I want to acknowledge is on this adventure in faith, often when I say adventure in faith, we often are thinking about those challenges. And there's also a lot of good stuff that is happening and has happened during this during the pandemic and during those times when when folks were sheltered not doing the regular it also gave an opportunity a space for some other things to happen that had not happened previously and so here's a thing that has happened at the 2022 Grammy Awards which was just last Sunday our beloved Tammy Lynn Hall one of the projects in which she worked, uh, the one best children's album, and that was, she was a part of that. Now, you would have to just be on a total television news fast in order to have missed the confirmation. You know, we already talked about it a bit last Sunday. And for those who understand how the order of things work, we knew that it was going to happen. We just didn't know what the numbers would be, but we knew it had to happen for so many reasons. And part of it is our consciousness. A huge part of it is our consciousness. What I loved is that our sister... Mm-hmm. Supreme Court Justice Designate. Yay! Judge Katanji Brown Jackson said this. She said it has taken 232 years and 115 prior appointments for a black woman to be selected to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States. But look at here. Then she said But we made it. We made it. All of us. And as for me, when we say all of us, it really is all of us. I know sometimes our immediate thought would be we're talking about black women. And we are. But the all of us goes beyond that because there's a consciousness where black women have been expected to heal the planet, to nurse all the babies. I need you to just hear me if you're willing, to nurse all the children, to take everyone in and hold them in our bosom. So this is for all of us. This is about the healing of the planet This is about justice for all. This is about connecting the dots in a way that includes absolutely everyone all the time. And I'm just thinking, because there are young'uns in the room, that they get a visual that I never had. See, there are some youngins in the world now who don't know how long it took before there was a black president. You know what I mean? Because they, that's just like, okay, they, we had one and now we don't, and they're they just waiting for the next turn. They don't know how the system works, and I'm not wanting them to know any different in a sense. I hope this is making sense. So all of this is a part of our adventure in faith and our trusting, our faith, because for some who've been holding the line who've been walking the line, who've been standing on the line, who've been knowing the truth. We've been affirming a change is going to come. I'm here in Oakland and Reverend Dr. Will Coleman is in Atlanta. What what happens for us is I've already said that Will is like my brother in spirit for real for real. So there are those regular times when we get together and on the regular and just talk through spiritual principle and application and scripture and all the things. And it is for us it's a very exciting process in time. And so often we think and we've been saying this for a while doc that Oh, we need to do this on a Sunday. Folks need to have access to, to some of this. So, last Sunday, when I spoke from John 12, I was talking about how the master teacher Yeshua, that the world ultimately came to call Jesus, came, uh, returned to Bethany. And we know it was a return because he had been there with Mary and Martha to attend to their brother, Lazarus, who was dead. They had asked him to come sooner when he was ill to heal him because they know who he is and what he knew and what he could do. And we know he arrived, as far as they were concerned, the sisters were concerned, that he arrived late. And they kind of gave him a bit of the business around it. And then Yeshua did his what he had come to do now he is he has returned in what i shared with you last week he returned and had dinner with martha and mary and lazarus and during that time marth he interacted with martha and Mary. And part of that interaction was Mary anointing his feet with this very expensive oil and then Judas objecting to that for his own reason. So, we went through that. But later when I was talking to Doc, we were talking about the fact that how seldom from the pulpit the women are spoken of the women are throughout scripture but it's so what we what we often get is such a patriarchal view and it often holds women or presents women in a certain light and so part of what we were talking about is in this an interaction that it seems that readers, readers. that readers and listeners are conditioned to not notice the women in the Bible or to misunderstand what we have noticed, especially regarding the master teacher's interaction with women. So, Doc, my question to you is, what are we missing? What are your thoughts about the the interaction Yeshua's interactions with women in Scripture. Welcome. I'm going to ask you to pause for just a moment. We're getting your sound on because I don't want us to miss not a word. They're going to let me know. Remember, y'all, a change is gonna come. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shall I read the Scripture, Doc? Or did you want to signal me, babe? Should I read this John 12, or you want me to hold it? I'm reading John 12. It's up there. So, he has selected, as a part of where we're starting, is later in this same scripture that I shared with you last week. So, John 12, he's, Doc is working with verses 12 through 15, which, say, which says, and the next day, a great crowd which had come to the feast, when they heard that Yeshua had come to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees. Let me pause. Y'all know today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is named Palm Sunday out of this scripture. So they brought branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, and they were shouting and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. But Yeshua found a donkey, and set up on it just as it is written. Now, I don't know if you get this kind of juxtaposition here that they're hollowing Hosanna and blessed is the King. But he's choosing to ride in looking more like a peasant. So we have that contrast that's really important. And he says, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king comes to you and rides on a foal, a colt of a donkey. And so that's the scripture that he chose for us to uh, start with. Are we ready with Doc, sound? Oh, Doc, they're telling me that you're muted. So I've just texted him. You see this is just this is just real time. We revealing all the behind the scenes stuff. That's the only reason I brought my phone up here cuz I thought you know what? Thank you. Thank you. Part of what I know we're going to talk about today is that when we, it's almost as if we are trained to miss some of the kind of basic things about the women in the Bible, that while we have the apostles, while we have the disciples, and they're up front and center, Stuff just comes to my mind. Today's the day I'm just going to share it with you. That what just hit me is that for the first time in history, there are fewer white men on the Supreme Court than they are th- when we look at the whole body. A change is going to come. Yeah, so, so the, I, I, I don't know why that came to me. But what I thought I was going to say when that thought came to my mind, is that we have the dis- disciples put up front for our viewing. We we know their names. We we have a sense of out. Oh, don't you? Don't have to. Oh yeah, I guess you do. Sorry, there are people at home watching. <laughs> I was about to say you don't have to show me, but I guess we had to. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna sit one, myself two, one, down two. like they like I'm supposed to be, but the idea that I wanted to say, just, doc, do you have sound now? Can we hear you? I'm, not yet, I'm okay so, so can he I can you sound. hear me? You can hear me, perfect, okay now sh if if'm if I start getting beside myself, just give me a signal, like you know, hold back on all that part there, but look, so we all were trained in the names of the disciples, not that any of us could name them all right now in the proper order, but we all know. But we're not as well acquainted with the women. But look at here, it was then as it is now. When we look at elections, for example, right now, who is electing the people? Well, first of all, there are more women. Who is doing the work in churches and in organizations? We have a pattern of electing white men, but they are not in the majority. So when you look across time, I'm thinking it's very similar. What you had were the women who were financing the master teacher's missions. But often not just not in the background for the people who were living in that time, but in the background for the people who wrote the stories. So we don't see them men- mentioned prominently, but it begs the question, how did Mary have the oil? And why was Judas trying to get the money that she obviously had? It's like sometimes when we read Scripture, we, 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 have, to, we have to cut off, out we have to turn off reasoning, what we understand about life and living. We act just like this is some foreign experience, but it's humans. And we can begin to see Certain patterns across time. Can't we? But we have to look. I need you all to help me. You you must be willing to notice and not just swallow it whole. Do you know what I mean when I say swallow it whole? Not just accept it because they didn't mention a woman. Think about it.
1: One, two, three.
0: Think about it. Now you on, babe. Come on.
1: (laughs) No, you go ahead. I just say, amen, I say, I eat boba and all of that. How about it? So, you hear me clearly now? We hear you clearly now. Uh, Hold up,
0: hold up, Doc, for just a second. Thank you to the team.
1: Thank you. Thank you to the team, because. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Pioneering is, pioneering is something, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, is. I mean, something you gotta keep on moving and be determined and be persistent. So what do you want me to pick up on the amen part, doc?
0: All of it, Since we, whatever. We, we have
1: an hour two to conversation. Yeah. All right, so let me go. Uh, just as you were giving some background, the reason I wanted us to read this particular passage is because it is Palm Sunday, but also it's part of a continuation. And I want to invite everyone to do this exercise uh, because I do this often myself from time to time. When you're watching a movie, or video I want to invite you to shift your focus from where the camera is focusing on the main characters in the foreground and see what's going on in the background see what's going on with the background characters and or the scenery and if you'll do that I've done it from time to time you will discover that there's another movie inside the movie mm-hmm. this is what you are, we're inviting you to do to look at the other movie inside of the movie as Doc was saying in chapter 11, we have this episode where Yeshua, by the order, and I want you to hear that, by the order of two of his sponsors, Mary and Martha, is invited to come and see his brother, their brother, his brother, Lazarus. As Doc has said subsequently, he shows up late and he gets the 411. Not as much from Martha, but certainly from Mary. Keep your mind and your eyes on Mary. This is why she's important. In chapter 12, the first part of that episode, she comes in the midst of the gathering and she has precious oil. And as Doc has said, you gotta think for a moment because in the foreground is a conversation between Yeshua and Judas, who's gonna betray Yeshua. But in the apparent background, but not really, is this woman, a very powerful woman, who has precious oil? It's not olive oil, it is precious, it's not specified what it is. But one or two things are are important. Either she made this oil herself or she acquired it. Either way, she had to have money. She had to have resources for her to be able to have that precious oil. There's a second part to that, too. At the end of Yeshua's discussion with Judas, he says, well, she's preparing me for my burial. But there's more to it than that. In the very next scene, we have in chapter uh, 12, some of the leaders are plotting to assassinate Lazarus, who has been resurrected by Yeshua. Then the next day, we're told, as we just read, that Yeshua enters Jerusalem triumphantly. Well, who prepared him to enter Jerusalem triumphantly? It's Mary. Mary not only anointed him for his quote unquote death and subsequently what would happen, but she also had anointed him because she knew something that we need to figure out about who he was and also about what was going to happen. So I'll pause there for a moment, uh, Doc, to see if you want to follow up with with another question. But I, I want to call our attention to, you can't see the powerful story of women if you're only looking at the foreground story about Yeshua and his disciples. And you do not realize that there are extraordinary women who are not just disciples, they are matrons. They are sponsoring, they are financing what's happening.
0: Thank you, doc. And to continue with that, but just give us this little piece about what does fear not daughter of Zion mean? What's the import yeah. of that?
1: That's a backstory to it. It actually comes from Zechariah 9.9, there's a quotation. And in Zechariah 9.9, this is why politics is important. What is happening is, uh, uh, is that the uh, Jewish people at that time are very afraid and are caught between the power of, of Egypt as a protectorate and the power of what is now going on with the Greeks and the Persians over that part of the land and so the prophecy comes uh, through Zechariah as a promise that the living one the living oneself would come or send a king to deliver the people from their oppressors <laughs> well the writer of the Gospel of John is taking that particular passage here and applying it to Yeshua so he's saying that Yeshua even though as you stated is coming in on a donkey This is the fulfillment of a prophecy that he would be coming to deliver the people. And this is why the people say, Hosanna, save us. And they all recognize by tradition that Yeshua, there's a parody. In a sense, yes, he's coming in on a donkey, but he's not walking into Jerusalem. He is coming in on a donkey instead of a horse. and He's also coming in as a king. And what's also significant about that is, well, Israel already had a king, Herod and his successor, and they already had another king, Caesar, in Rome. So there's a very significant and subtle way in which this is an announcement of a third and or succeeding king. Why daughters? Good point because Jerusalem is who this is actually about. And so the King Yeshua is coming in to restore and to protect her, to protect her, the city of Jerusalem, who is also the daughter of Zion. And we need not miss that, that she is, as we're speaking, the matriarch of all of the people, the city is. And the purpose of the King in this particular episode is to come back and restore and protect the mother city of these people.
0: And so so this idea of the way that we're holding Jerusalem is multifaceted in a metaphysical way. So we know that it's a physical place, but it's also a spiritual idea. And the spiritual idea has a feminine... Context.
1: Yes, it, it's it's not just a connotation; it's a denotation that she is the motherland. Often people refer to being patriotic, etc. But this is an appeal to be matriotic, to be faithful to the motherland that had given a "quote unquote" birth to them, to their identity, etc. And we miss that because, again, it's we're conditioned to focus on Yeshua and on his opponents and on the disciples in a way that doesn't allow us to see what's there. See, you made the point earlier. It's not that it isn't in the text, it is in the text. It has been recorded, but the lens through which we have been conditioned to see it does not allow us to see this extraordinary story inside of the story, and perhaps a story that is really sponsoring, I want to keep using that word, that is actually sponsoring, the one that we see. What we see is being backed and supported and presented by another story. And that other story, in this case, is a feminist story about Jerusalem. And it's a story about the women who are not just disciples of Yeshua. If you think of a patron, just by analogy, a patron is someone who sponsors another person and who has resources to do so. They're not exactly below the person they're sponsoring, are they? Mm Well, so oh too, if these are matrons, and they are, according to Luke chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, you had Mary Magdalene, you had Joanna, who was the wife of an employee, quote unquote, government worker of Herod, and then it says, many other women, many other women, and, and next week we'll find out who some of the women are, ah, many other women who supported, the translation could be either supported them, i.e., Yeshua and his disciples, Or him Yeshua from their means from their resources these were government informed women. these were business women these were movers and shakers most of them probably were of Yeshua's age 30 or so and or in their 50s and some of them were his relatives this is extraordinary it makes sense though as we move forward and we see how they they're not just uh, moving along but they're also guiding movement of the narrative and of the story.
0: Thank you for that. This idea of how, hmm, in a sense, we have been trained to be gullible, you know, to read the stories in scripture like they're magic, like they're, pardon me, like they're fairy tales. So we're not, we're, we're not invested in looking behind or wondering well now how could that be and does that yeah. make sense if that then so look doc here's here's my question since we know for sure that the bible scripture like any other published work nothing gets in by accident You know, whatever you read in there was purposely put there, and it was purposely put there for whatever someone's purpose was. Some of it might have been intended to make it less obvious for all the reasons around power and uh, distribution of power or perception of power, but what did the women in the Bible know? What, what were their roles? What, what were they trying to tell us and show us? Because they are there. We're not making them up. But what's the story? What's the, not the individual stories, but kind of the overarching sense of their presence? Does that make sense, Doc?
1: And then, absolutely. And for okay. that, I would invite everyone to write down Proverbs chapter 8, verses 12 through the end of the chapter. Proverbs chapter 8, verses 12 through the end of the chapter. Now, the background to this is that uh, wisdom is portrayed as feminine, and wisdom is portrayed as a co treat actress with the, the living one, the deity. And wisdom is described as having a connection with understanding and with prudence and with uh, intelligence, a particular type of feminine intelligence uh, she says about herself through the writer that she was there when the living one uh, thought to bring everything into being, that she actually helped to design creation and that persons who possess her, that is wisdom, possess life and those who in one way or another do not possess her, uh, don't possess her to their own detriment. I like to think, fast forward, of the women in the gospel narratives as the daughters of wisdom. They are daughters of wisdom. What do they teach us? They teach us a type, a particular type of feminine intelligence that observes things very deeply and very profoundly. Uh, they teach us the skills of networking, as we'll see uh, more on next week, but also we can see in the text. They have a network, these women do, that allows them to move in and out of the politics and the economics of what is going on in the client state, the colony of Jerusalem under the Roman empire, in a, in a manner that is, um, makes them almost ubiquitous, but at the same time keeps them connected and in a way of speaking keeps them ahead of the game. So I would say the the power of observation, the power of political and economic shrewdness in the midst of and that also fuels their spirituality because they they have a way of, of knowing and doing things that Yeshua is <laughs> Yeshua is teaching his male disciples to become they already circle. know. Yes, they already know. And in fact, let me just go on and say the entire book of Proverbs is written to help young men who are going to be future leaders, uh, be wiser in what they're going to do. And the exemplar of that wisdom is the divine feminine. And it also in this instance, as we're talking about it, it is the natural intelligence and shrewdness and adeptship of the women in a way they don't to your point they don't have to become disciples they already know something yeah yeah you need to hear that let me say that again thank you a disciple is a student that's what the word discipulus and not that taste means they don't have to become disciples they already know something what did Mary already know when she anointed him? What had she been paying attention to? What had been the buzz around that she was aware of when she went and bought and or made that precious oil and anointed him as king? What did she know? What did Martha know? What did Joanna know? What did, um, again, Joanna, who was uh, working, uh, the wife of, of an employee of Herod know about what was going on behind the scene.
0: Thank you. They already
1: possessed wisdom.
0: You know, one thing, I'm going to ask you to kind of bottom line this for us as we kind of bring our time to closure, but something you just did sparked something for me as a point of awareness for all of us. And it is that in order for Mary to anoint, that's a very specific activity. And everybody isn't doing that. So to the anointing assumes a certain awareness, a certain level of practice to know how to do it, to know when to do it, to know with whom to do it. So that's number one. But I also want... You to just tell us by way of summary, what do we need to know about the women in the Bible? I don't, when I bring up scripture for our purposes on a Sunday or in a class, it's because I am connecting it with common culture presently. Mm. I am encouraging us to see ourselves, to discern useful, beneficial meaning to apply to life today. So, what is it that we need to know about the women in the Bible today?
1: Yes, well, first of all, you already hinted at this. And you do this when you preach. We need to, in our own time, learn more about the background context to the biblical story and not read those stories in isolation. We need to become more aware, as I cited earlier, what was was the context of Assyria? What was the context of Greek and Rome? These are not technical things where you can find this information out. And especially, what was the context of Rome, this patriarchal, of um, overarching society in which yet these women discovered how to uh, bring forth this kind of matrilineal wisdom. So the more we understand the background, the more information we have about the, about the background or the context, the better we will understand the role of the women and what they are doing. We need to, as I suggested earlier, shift our attention from time to time from what's going on in the foreground of the movie. Of the scenes, of the characters, and uh, look at what's going on in the so-called background, because that's what, that is what is supporting what is happening in the foreground, and we can play back and forth with that, and we'll come to better understand. I we could do a whole nother message. I think I've done this one time on this amazing woman. I mean, if we say Yeshua is the greatest man that has ever lived, how did he get here? that that woman that. not just that woman she was an adolescent at the time a courageous fearless believing northeast african black girl that's who she was wow that's the one that bore him that's the one that fed him that's the one that taught him and even in the gospel of john that's the one that directed him to change one into one. That's the one that guided his disciples and him onto his next uh, place where they would be teaching and preaching and working signs. What a woman that is. Now the Catholic church and other churches have done right by calling her queen of heaven, etc. But they also have missed something else. This same woman becomes a single mother at some point and has five children to take care of in Palestine. Yeshua, at least two of his brothers who also wrote biblical biblical texts, the the Epistle of Jude and the Epistle of James. Those are his two brothers, Yeshua's brothers Mm -hmm. that she raised. And he also had two sisters. What an extraordinary woman to bring the savior of the world in. There's no savior without her period there is no palm sunday without her yes at all yes (sighs)
0: so doc we're looking i'm sorry (laughs) no i've been excited because i felt that
1: well
0: look we're looking forward to a different kind of easter sunday And just so y'all know, part of our intention today was to set the tone so that we could be more receptive to this message that lifts up the matrons in Scripture so that we have a clearer, more balanced sense of what is happening and how it's happening and for whom and by whom. So I hope, y'all, that it was as good for you as it has been for me. This is very exciting for me. I don't know how y'all are rocking with it, but this is a moment. I have to get a little dance on here to do it. But I'm going to ask Reverend Dr. Will Coleman to join us again to do our closing prayer. And I'm just grateful Grateful for the tremendous gift. Doc, thank you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for doing the work that there are a lot of theologians who are not doing what you're doing. Let me just say there are a lot of learned folks who can quote and tell you all about it, but they're not going where you're going with it. And so I'm grateful that not only have you gone there, but you're taking us with you. And so I'm going to pass it to you and ask you to lead us in our closing prayer. Thank you, my brother.
1: Thank you, my sister, Reverend Dr. Andrea Earl, and Heart and Soul Center of Light. So for the closing prayer, I almost want to make it more like a to-be-continued pause request that we take a moment to just emotionally and energetically Uh, absorb all that has transpired in this entire service all that uh, my sister has said all that I've shared with you and let us I was thinking about the newly appointed judge speaking of 200 years plus it's been about 2,000 years plus since we really recognized the power of the divine feminine and the power of the human feminine It has not always been the way we have done it now in this context, but there's been a great and tremendous influence of women in the ancient past and in the ancient world. I pray that we recover this type of intelligence and this type of of acknowledgement that is needed in the world for such a time as this. I also pray that during this particular week, as we listen to, as we see, watch, hear, and even as we read those uh, stories pertaining to what is called Holy Week, where we will shift our view, as I've suggested. And in addition to looking at the main characters and the focus on Yeshua and his disciples and his adversaries, rightly so, we'll also look at what's going on in the background and who's doing what, and see and experience and appreciate in particular the prevalence of these matrons, of whom we will speak more on next week. And therefore, may you have a blessed, wonderful day and week until we meet again. Amen, shay and Aibobo.